You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode 26, a.k.a. Martin St. Louis, of Keeping Up With The Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. Once again, just like always, joined by my fellow co-host of the pod in the beautiful southwestern Ontario territory there. Uh, how are you doing this morning, Alec? Oh, pretty damn good, Ty. How are you doing? All pretty damn tired right now, not going to lie. It's, uh, it's pretty early, uh, but we're getting after it today. It's a nice Sunday morning. Can't complain. Enderum, it's snowing out here, which is great news for us because what reason? Oh, we're hitting the slopes tomorrow, buddy. That's right, buddy. 26 hours away from now, we'll be hitting the slopes in Lake, Lu- Lake Louise, Alberta. I I cannot wait, dude. I am so friggin' pumped up for this trip to go out there, uh, hit this fresh pal. Looks like it's going to snow a lot there uh, sometime today, tonight area. So pretty fired up about that, man. Man, it's perfect timing too, right? Weather coming down, hitting the mountains, going to be great. Oh, dude, it, it, we're going to be getting after it in Banff, too. Uh, it's There's going to be a couple nights in Banff where, uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be hard waking up the next morning. I can guarantee that, but it's going to be worth it, dude. I am fired right up for the trip. Man, me too. Can't wait to get out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I think we should get right into some uh, some hockey talk right away here because uh, it is around the trade deadline area. We're, what are we at, like, oh, I don't know, 18 hours away, basically, from, or 18 hours, 24 plus whatever equals, I don't know where I was going. We're like a day and a half away from it because I'm just way too tired right now to do that math in my head. Uh, But moving right along, Durham, the Seattle Kraken, they have made one trade so far, uh, and that is Callie Yarncroft. So our boy, boy, ya boy, boy, he gets traded to the Calgary Flames. And Durham, what a return it was. Oh, that was great. Picking up a second round pick, even though it's Florida's for this year. I mean, that's going to be a little bit later, basically like a third. Still great. 
You get another third next year from Calgary and a seventh the year after that. Yeah, no, they uh, they hit it. They hit it uh, a slammer home run in the park, out of the park with this trade. We predicted that they would just get a second rounder, and we thought that was pretty nice. So now you get the second rounder, a third rounder, and a seventh, which is great because we need a we need all the picks we could possibly get, right? Stockpile them all up. Yeah, the more the merrier. I mean, everyone knows it's not quality, it's quantity when you get to the draft. Quality yeah, exactly. certainly helps, but you don't get too many of those. Yeah, and, and you make a great point with, with it being Florida's too. It's going to be a late second and, I mean, most likely a late third round pick too. So uh, to get those extra picks is is huge for the Seattle Kraken on this one. And no real shocker here. Seattle retained 50% of it. Uh, you know, Yarn Crocs on the last year of a six mil or a six year deal worth two million per season on average. So um of course they retain half. That's one million over to Calgary there. And I mean Yarn Crock has been such a great player. He had a slow start uh this year for Seattle. I think he only had maybe one point in his first I, I want to say 12 or 13 games. It was a really rough start for him. But once he settled in, uh he was one of our best forwards this year, Durham. Yeah, certainly. He uses his speed well, and he's a tenacious little bastard out there, too. He water bugs around, and he's really been racking the points up, like you said, in the last 25, 30 games. So that's going to be big for Calgary as they make a push for the playoffs, trying to clinch first in the division there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, only the one point in the first 13 games, but he ended up with uh, 26 points in 49 games for Seattle this season. So not too bad at all for uh, for Yarncroc, who, like we said before, uh, the guy's a Swiss Army knife. He could uh, play up and down the lineup. And he's already looking like he's slotted into the center position on the third line in Calgary. And not only that, Durham, but uh, they played last night, and he already has his first point with Calgary. So kudos to Yarncroc there. He's going to be a huge addition to that Calgary team as they make a push for the playoffs. Yeah, and I'll have a little bit of comfortability with the team too because, fun fact, his cousin is Elias Lindholm. Yeah, that's interesting. I I actually had no idea until the trade went down, and then some of that information ended up coming out. But yeah, him and uh, Elias Lindholm, they grew up uh, in the same town in Sweden. Uh, I want to say it's about 75,000 in that town. Couldn't remember what the name is right now. Uh, just way too early for that. But uh, I believe Jacob Markstrom is from the exact same town as the two of them as well. So uh, yeah, definitely some familiarity there uh, between those guys. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's probably not too often you get that once you get to the pro ranks, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, definitely a slam dunk of a deal for the Seattle Kraken on this one. And we're still in that waiting game to see where Giordano is going to land, right? Yeah, all the talk seems to be Toronto's waiting for the price to come down, but we're taking no less than a first, goddammit. Yeah, especially with uh, some of the deals that have been going down, which we'll get into later in the pod. But it is kind of crazy for all the rumors about it not being a seller's market. It certainly seems like it's one this year because uh, there's some high prices for these guys. Yeah, there's been some absolute hauls brought in already. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not hearing a whole lot on Giordano at the moment. 
The last thing is Toronto would be that uh, that team that seems to be making the biggest push right now. Do you have any other teams you might uh, might think you might land? Uh, the rumors are like St. Louis. You know, it was Boston as well because they were pushing for a left-handed D, Florida. But I think, you know, Boston and Florida are out for obvious reasons. We'll get into that later. So it kind of leaves St. Louis and Toronto making the big pushes against each other. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like you said, that uh, Atlantic division has been making some huge moves. So uh, is that going to sway Toronto into giving up more of a package? Possibly, because all the teams around them are making some pretty huge moves. So um, we'll see where he lands, but that'll be for next episode because it's Sunday morning and we still haven't seen any action yet. So um, let's hope that it's an, another massive deal that uh, that Ronnie Francis can pull off because uh, he's doing pretty good so far, isn't he? The Ron father is all over it. The Ron father. Oh, I love it. All right. Moving along, though, for now, we are had the Kraken had two games this past week, uh, one against Tampa Bay, uh, the other last night against Detroit. Let's jump right into game number 62 for the Kraken this year. That was against Tampa Bay. And that was the first game they played in four days, uh, taking on the back to back cup champs, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So no big deal there. Yeah, and the first game in the post Yarncroc era, and you know, soon to be Mark Giordano era as well for the Kraken. So a couple lineup decisions they're going to have to be made for this one. Yeah, a couple for sure. Uh, well, I think in the game too, they ended up having to run with eleven forwards and seven defensemen. Uh, you know, largely due to the fact that uh, they still had some injuries up front as well, and then with them scratching uh, Yarncroc. Uh, right before the game and Giordano as well, it kind of shifted some things. So one of the, yeah, we, we haven't seen that yet in this lineup where they run the one less forward and one uh, extra defenseman. But yeah, cause Don Scully was still out. He's on the IR. Wenberg was still day to day at the time. And uh, the last time these two teams played Tampa Bay shut out the crack in three, nothing. Uh, so I'm pretty sure Yanni Gord was a little fired up to get back at his former teammates on this one. Eh? Yeah, he, definitely. I mean, he's a guy who comes in here with a bit of an attitude and wanting to prove himself all the time. So having lost that last game and them not getting on the board at all, you know he's coming in with an even bigger chip on his shoulder. Oh, big time. Uh, the one thing that really, really ticked me off before this game, uh, anybody who watches their games on uh, the NHL Live, uh, they totally cut out Mark Giordano's 1,000th game celebration ceremony. Um that was not cool at all, NHL. Don't know why you're doing that. Because uh, we didn't get to see Jerry Dano's silver stick ceremony. That's pretty uh, That's pretty messed up. Yeah, and especially it was a neat little thing too. Like, didn't they have smaller silver sticks for his daughters? During I believe so. Yeah, yeah I that would have been cool to see. On it. Yeah, that would have been super cool. Not only that, he had to sit there and look at an NHL live screen for 25 extra minutes because of it. So... Uh, yeah, a little heads up maybe next time, NHL. That was uh, that was a dick move, to say the least. You know the NHL is just going to be like, look, we said you could watch the game. That wasn't the game. How bogus is that? Like, throw that in. Like, what What are you going to do? Like, oh, my God, they got an extra 20 minutes. Oh, my God, they seen Giordano get that silver stick. Like, give it a rest. Moving into the game, though, Durham. Early trip from uh, Andre Palat on Colin Blackwell. That sent the Kraken to the power play just less than a minute into the game. 
And eight seconds before it ended, Tampa got another penalty for tripping. So uh, right off the bat, Kraken were getting some opportunities, eh? Yeah, that certainly helps and, you know, makes it easy to start the game, right? Kraken would win the draw. They'd set up a play starting with abs, of course, you know, silky mitts there. Then he just spathers one across the ice for a Yanni Gord one T into the back of the net. Just as the first penalty expired, one nothing Seattle. Yeah, that was awesome. Striking on the power play early, and that's what you need against an opponent like Tampa. Get on the board first and try to build off of a, a lead instead of trying to fight from behind. So they did a good job by by accomplishing that. And who else but Yanni Gord firing it into the net, right? He's uh, the hottest goal scorer on this team right now. Yeah, he's been buzzing since the All-Star break, like we talked about last week, right? And he just keeps continuing on straight through the old team. Yeah, uh, but just, what, about three and a half minutes after that goal, Grubauer is left out to dry completely when Kucherov gets a little two-on-one and is able to bury it. Why do you ask, though, he's been left out to dry? Because of a super bad effort on the back check from Jordan Eberle. That was, that was atrocious. I don't know what he was thinking there, but uh, man, Kucherov's going hard to the net and he had absolutely no back check in him. That was kind of, that was kind of just embarrassing to see. Yeah. That's a tough look, especially from the zoomed out angle that uh, follows the camera from Tampa Bay's end. So you're looking down on Grubauer there because it starts to play way back and you got Eberly like shoulder to shoulder with Kucherov at Tampa's blue line. And then the play progresses and there's just more and more ice between the two. And then Eberly's like, Oh shit, I better make it look like I'm trying here too little, too late. It's in the net one, one. Yeah. That was his assignment there. He has to stay on Cooch and you know, he knows better than that. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. After a couple of nice saves from Grubauer, uh, later on in the period, we'd see Will Borgen throwing down Corey Perry after he gets kind of a little too comfortable crashing into Grubauer's crease there. That led to a, a short power play there for Tampa. Uh, not short because uh, of a goal, but because a penalty was called against Alex Killorn there. Another tripping call. That was the fourth penalty of the game, and we were only halfway through that period, Durham. It was, it was pretty wild to start. Frig, I mean, put the whistles away, boys. I know refs. We'd see two more before the end of the period, uh, one for each team. But uh, yeah, after 20, it was a 1-1 score. And uh, you got to be pretty happy about that score after 20 minutes of play against the back-to-back cup champs. Yeah, anytime you can hold Tampa to one goal in a period, you're probably feeling pretty good about yourselves. Yeah, yeah, big time. And uh, unfortunately, more penalty troubles kept uh, hurting the crack in two in that second period. Uh, they, they gave up another power play marker. Uh, this time it was off a of Victor Hedman bomb from the point, uh, just before the halfway mark of that second period. And, uh, yeah, guess who's, uh, in front screening and left untouched. Is Corey it Corey Perry? Perry? It's Corey Perry, of course. So, oh, uh, like Corey we Perry. talked about, yeah, we talked about it last pod. You, you can't let this guy be a shithead in front of the net. You gotta get out. You gotta box him out of the, the crease there and, yeah, he, he's able to just screen Grubauer and uh, nobody was on him at all. So uh, that that kind of sucked. Yeah, unfortunately, he's made a living around the crease there in the paint. And that's something our D have got to know and be able to help Gru out a little bit. 
Yeah, you got to know he's going to be there. That's his assignment on that power play. And uh, uh, yeah, don't let him be a, be a peckerhead like Corey Perry can be. And then after that, another Kraken penalty. Yeah, they're eighth in the game. And then Shahan and Cole Lynn get this odd man rush. And it was so close to going in. But Vasilevsky sticks out the toe to deny the tap-in goal. Oh yeah, that was uh, that was a heck of a rush there, and uh, it would have been nice to see Cole Lind after getting called up there. Um, what was it, the game before, and be able to make an impact into the lineup like that? Him and Shahan have that sweet two-on-one, and yeah, fuck Vasilevsky just got a just a touch of his toe on that puck to keep that out. But uh, they were getting their fair amount of, of uh, quality looks in the game. So kudos to Seattle for uh, for the effort against a tough team like Tampa Bay. Yeah, and also showing that enough hard work can definitely outweigh the skill Tampa brings. Coming oh so close to tying the game up again after Donato's shot from the corner hits a skate out front and rings iron in the final minute of the second period there. Yeah, that would have been a perfect way to head into the third period too. Uh, but yeah, just just you know, a game of inches, right? You get two quality looks like that. One going off, uh, going off the post. The other one is absolute robbery, and they're not able to tie the game up going into the third. And uh, that would hurt their chances of staying into the hockey game pretty hard uh, because early in the third, just a minute into the final frame, uh, Tampa Bay is able to score on out of this crazy, crazy ass sequence in front of Grubauer. Can you even explain what happened there? It was a gong show in front of that net. Well, Grubauer is just flailing around doing his best hash of compression where the puck's bouncing all over the place, and he's not quite sure where it is, and neither is Blackwell, so he just lays down in the crease and flops on it, and it goes from one side of the net to the other, and then I think it hit something and came back out into the middle of the ice, and two more guys laid down on it, and Grubauer tries to slide across, and Tampa just happens to squeak it through the mass yeah. of bodies. Yeah, it was it was an absolute pinball machine in front of that net. And the worst thing too, I think uh, uh, the one Tampa player like shot it across the crease and it goes out and it hits Susie and literally flies back into the crease. Oh man, some of those bounces, man, they just make you shake your head and think, come on, like how is that going in? But unfortunately it did. It was 3-1 Tampa. And then late in the third period, they would officially put the game away from another bomb from the point from Hedman, his second of the game. That would be the final score in this one, Durham, a 4-1 victory for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, kind of another tough night for Grubauer, not in terms of how he played, though. Like He made big saves all night, but Seattle could just not slow down Tampa's offense. You're true. Uh, You're right there they were just kind of flying all over the place and uh, their ability to transition the puck uh, up the ice, especially with the speed they have, it was, it just seemed like it was too much for the Kraken's defense to handle. We seen it multiple times in the game where they broke through uh, the Kraken's defense uh, and, and were able to get quality chances. And yeah, it just looked like they were a step ahead of uh, Seattle all night. Yeah, and I mean, if it definitely wasn't for Grubauer, it could have been 6-7-1 or seven, one by the end of the third period, which, I mean, someone might have predicted 6-1. So good for Grubauer oh. for making me eat it. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And uh, the one thing is Seattle just needs to be harder to play against. Um, the one thing that shocked me is Tampa definitely had the puck most of that night. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, but Seattle only had nine hits recorded in the game. 
And when you look at that and you just, that's not nearly enough. You have to be out there throwing the body around and slow the other team down, especially if they're the one with the puck for most of the game. So uh, that was a bit shocking to see that. I'd like to see way more physicality back in uh, Seattle's game. Yeah, that's something the team doesn't really have as a fit, right? Like they're kind of a little bit smaller and faster. They've got a couple bigger guys, but it's not like they can really keep the pace against your teams like Tampa where they've got size and speed. Yeah, that's that's true. Like the Kraken, they have a pretty big decor. Like their decor has got size. Uh, like there's good guys back there. But when you're looking up front, I mean, how many guys are above six foot compared to below six foot, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, and lacking a bit on uh, on size up front. So uh, something I'm sure they'll be looking at. But oh, well, bro, uh, pain for Shane, right? Exactly. On to the wings. Yeah, onto the wings. And this was a just a fantastic game to watch last night. Um, honestly, one of the loudest games in that arena we've seen all year long. That might have been the loudest game, Durham. Those fans were absolutely crazy last night. They were feeling it, bud. They knew. They knew. They're like, we're fucking taking down the Red Wings. Yeah, and we'll get into exactly why they were so loud here in a second. But before that, um, no Giordano for the Kraken again. He was scratched. You got to protect your best trade assets. So, you know, no shocker there. But we did have uh, Alex Wenberg back in the lineup from his injury. And and he slotted onto that top line between Schwartz and Eberle. And that's a line combination we have not seen on this team for a long time because of injuries and, and whatnot, eh? Yeah, it's definitely nice to get him back. We'll see if we can slot him in and get his groove going again. I mean, he was feeling it a bit before he got hurt. So if we can get that back, that'd be great for Seattle down the last 20 games here. Yeah, another opportunity for him to step up and, uh, you know, show why he's a veteran on this team and help lead them to some more victories and keep on growing this team in the right direction. Um, we'd also see Carson Kuhlman back in the lineup too. It was his first game. He only played, what, a couple games, three games, I think, uh, with the Kraken when he got picked up off of waivers. And it was his first game since January 30th. So he's been out for quite a while. Yeah, getting him will be him back will be nice, getting his speed going. And the last time uh, the Kraken played this young Detroit team, too, they lost 3-2 in a shootout there in a close, hard-fought battle. So, you know, definitely expecting a tight game here, but at the same time, I'm hoping Seattle just fucks over Detroit. Go Kraken. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was worth mentioning Detroit. Man, like we said, they were struggling uh, as of recently, just one five and 5-1 in their last seven games going into the game. So perfect opportunity for the Kraken to bounce on a team who's struggling and get a victory. And they must have known that because, oh boy, were they flying to start the game too. Three or four great looks in the first five minutes, and they drew a penalty right off the bat. Yeah, this was the best first period I think I've seen from them, I want to say pretty much all year, dude. Um, That first power play too, both units got got i think two two shots on that each uh so they basically were all over them on that first power play uh the passing was looking crispy pucks were tape to tape uh they had a nice nine to shot uh lead advantage uh just halfway through the first period so like they they were buzzing dude yeah every line was definitely buzzing early on even the fourth line too like they had seattle's best chance early on in the game after a two-on-one for 
happened before Coolman and Geeky, but Nadelchkovic reached across with a crease to flash the leather on Geeky there. Yeah, that was a oh, that was a beautiful save. Actually, Nadelchkovic to start that game, unbelievable, dude. Uh, the saves he had to make, I couldn't believe Seattle didn't have a goal by that point. And by the time Detroit had their first shot on net, Seattle had thirteen on net, so it was so lopsided to start the game off. Yeah, and then out of nowhere, too, Larson just drops the mitts with Nemesnikov, and haymakers were thrown. Yeah, haymakers officially thrown in the game. We haven't seen a fight in a little while, so that was nice to see. And uh, it it was it kind of came out of nowhere, right? Like, uh, it was away from the play. And the only thing I could think of what started that was uh, the very first play of the game, uh, Larson stepped up on Nemesnikov, uh, probably 30 seconds in, uh, hit him pretty hard, knocked him down. And I think, uh, I think he was fuming about that one because that's a pretty tough opponent or I mean, not tough, but a way bigger opponent to pick on if you're Nemesnikov and you're willing to throw him with Larson. Like how about that size difference? Yeah. Larson's four inches taller and he's got 30 pounds on the kids. So like you said, credit to Vladdy there. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a massive difference in uh, size there. So yeah, credit to Vladdy, but uh, we got to give the victory to Adam Larson on that one. He uh, he can throw him. You don't see Larson fight, but he can throw him. That was a good Tilly. And that would wrap up a very action-packed period of hockey. About as exciting a game as it can be when it's still zero zero. Honestly, you know, honestly, it was a very exciting first period. Seattle, what they have like a sixteen to six shot lead after twenty minutes. They were all over them. Um, a lot of that same energy was brought into the second period for Seattle as well. I found. Uh, and pucks continued to get towards Detroit's net and Seattle was doing a good job winning the little battles in order to, uh, to get those shots and continue that pressure. And that would pretty much lead to another delay, a game penalty for Detroit there. Um, they were kind of panicking on the play. I think Lark, uh, I think Larkin took that one and that ended up, uh, being the complete opposite of their first power play of the game. They didn't have any shots and, uh, a uh, whole lot of nothing happened for Seattle on that that uh, power play there. Yeah, it hasn't been a terrible stretch for the Kraken's power play as we're used to. You know, uh, three for 15 in the last few games, which is good for 20%. Yeah, so, you know, that obviously means that uh, they should get about five chances this game with a power play, right? Uh, get one goal? Yeah, that's one for five. Yeah. And uh, speaking of power plays, yeah, uh, Seattle, they'd get their uh, third chance uh, and then they'd get a fourth chance. Uh, and then I think it was Larkin again. He like that fourth chance. He just blatantly cross checks Wenberg in the back of the head, like right in front of the refs. It was, it was clear as day. You could tell he was frustrated with the way his team was playing and Seattle, they'd get 59 seconds to go to work on a nice five on three. But uh, uh, what happened there, Durham? Well, what happens? The Kraken don't score. And on top of that, it's been a little while since they had a horrible turnover. So, Ty, cue the turnover button. Beep. I don't know. I don't have a turnover button, but that that would be it. Uh, and it would go off multiple times every game, every period, to be honest. Um, yeah. I don't know what that... Like, they didn't score on it. They kind of had, like, one good look, really. 
Um, but it was a bit disappointing to have all those power play opportunities and all that pressure. And then, you know, not able to get any goals out of it. And then the worst part is right after that ended, uh, Susie and Donato, they're down in the D zone. They get, they get caught in this little game of uh, who's grabbing the puck. And they both end up like leaving the puck there uh, in the corner. And then Detroit literally skates in, just grabs it, feeds the puck out front to uh, Joe Volano. And he just goes far posting in and all of a sudden it's one, nothing Detroit. Yeah, that was brutal. I mean, it's Larkin pops out of the box as, box as they're doing that. He just turns to his right, and he's like, you got to be fucking kidding me. He just skates in, picks up the puck, and just passes it out front to Valeno for an easy one. Yeah, that was like, oh, my God. Give your give your head a shake, guys. Like, take a lap. That was uh, that was a brain fart there. Almost comical how ho- how often it happens this season, you know? Yeah, I mean, what's that? eight nine like bad turnovers where it's like what the fuck's going on yeah yeah that was a a confusing play to say the least and they were out shooting detroit 25 12 at that point like how are you losing that game that's just uh that's not not cool not acceptable you know what'll top that off what detroit's gonna get their first power play of the game and they're gonna score 20 fucking seconds into it and it's going to go off Larson's stick. Of course, right? Like, we get all all these power play chances, you know, we get 59 seconds on a five on three, and Detroit's like, oh, yeah, uh, we haven't had one all game. We're late in the second here. First power play opportunity? Sweet. We'll, uh, we'll take advantage of that. 20 seconds in. And uh, they feed one out front, and uh, High Rose puts one in the net. His first of the season, too. Like, come on. Uh, like how is he even on the power play? And then just like that, all of all of a sudden, it's two nothing Detroit in the grain in in a game that the Kraken should have been winning. So we're gonna need a big third here. Yeah, and uh, it's right off the bat, it just seemed like uh, oh, okay, not a lot, not a whole lot changed in this third period. Uh, the Kraken had a power play to start things off, and uh, yeah. Let's just say it didn't go too well because that brought them over five on the night. And uh, yeah, apparently, apparently the, the math before didn't add up because uh, they weren't able to put one on, put one in on the power play there. Well, if math's not working out, nothing in my life makes sense anymore. <laughs> you know who wasn't giving up though? Philip goddamn Grubauer. Every goddamn game, the sky's in the net. He's making a huge save. Uh, at a, at a very very important part of the game i mean he he comes across and absolutely denies detroit of an opportunity like flashes the flashes the glove so hard and uh that would that would end up being a huge huge save in this hockey game Darren. yeah and the boys clearly started feeding off the german gentleman's energy because seattle finally gets one pass nadelchkovic and ends his shutout bid for the night yeah, that was nice. Uh, Adam Larson, the guy who dropped the mitts earlier, driving the net hard with the puck with the puck there. And uh, yeah, he gets a little second and a third whack at his own rebound. And uh, it just ends up trickling past the Delchkovic. Kind of takes a funny hop there to end up getting over the line. But uh, you'll take that because the Seattle were within one goal of tying the game with uh, 
plenty of time left, 12 minutes left. So uh, uh, that was good to see. That was good to see. And it led to some pretty awesome shit, didn't it? Yeah, another thing that was good to see too, McCann, who picks up an apple on the place. That's a career high in points with his 36 one of the year. Yeah, that's pretty crazy to think that uh, his career high is only 36 points, eh? Uh, especially after signing that deal. Like you watch, well, we've watched him play all season now. And you being a Pens fan, you've seen him a lot in Pittsburgh. Like he's such a good player offensively. To think he only has 36 points as a career high is kind of, kind of, crazy kind of blows my mind a bit yeah well he's still young right like mid-20s kind of on the younger edge there but uh throughout his career so far the big knock on him was as good as he was offensively he didn't give a rat's ass about defensively so Mm. they were kind of hesitant to put him up higher in the lineup but as he got older and became more of a pro like he learned these things and obviously we see this in seattle now there's still the odd laps here and there but he's earning his money he's creating offense and not being a slouch defensively yeah yeah exactly and uh man if we're gonna put him on a number next year for points 55 to 60 pretty uh, that's what i was gonna say 55 yeah yeah so uh i have no doubt he's gonna continue to uh set that record this year and then smash it again next year so that's the prediction. But yeah, only 12 minutes left. They were able to uh, get on the board finally, uh, which is more than enough time to keep working that magic, right? And magic we would see, damn it, because Jaden Schwartz is going to get a chance to come in all alone. He puts it to his backhand and he beats Nadeljkovic. Nadeljkovic is, fuck, say that five times fast. Dude, I know. He that, beats Alex's glove and ties the game. <laughs> oh that's all that's one of the worst ones to say i can say it but then we threw an s on the end of it and i was like what the hell's going on what the hell happened go back go back but uh no that was nice and uh yeah you thought you thought the kraken were done there baby hell nah because the hottest player on the team extending his point streak to six games after sniping one five hole off the rush and out of nowhere Three unanswered for the Kraken. What a third period it was. Yeah, and why not have Yanni Gord stay hot? Because he's going to score the empty netter to give the Kraken the 4-2 win, and that's their fourth unanswered goal of the period. Yep, pretty insane third period. And like we said, that was just uh, just an explosion of loudness from the crowd. They were so amped up in that game in that third period. Uh, that, that'll go down in history, Durham. Yeah, that's definitely going to be one of the best games of the season. Yep. And, uh, the reason why I say going down in history is, uh, with that multi-goal comeback, uh, the Kraken became the fourth expansion team in the past 40 years, uh, to record a third period multi-goal comeback win in their inaugural season, joining Three other teams, Durham. I'm going to have you guess what teams they are, but I'll give you a hint. Two are from 1992 expansion, and one of them is from the 1999-2000 year expansion. So uh, throw out some guesses. Wrong. Vancouver? Vancouver? I don't know. No. They? <laughs> they were before 92. <laughs> I don't remember. 
Minnesota. I know. I'm putting you on the spot. No. I know. I was not ready for this. It's not on the game notes or nothing. What the hell? Fuck no. All right. I'll give you a hint. Uh, I wasn't no, alive. No, oh, 2000. I'm not ready for you this. My brain's this. not yeah. up. Yeah. I'll give you a hint. This place has had two teams and they both uh, crashed and burned. Atlanta? Yep. <laughs> Atlanta was 2000? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Really? That's weird, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Atlanta Thrashers in uh, April 2nd, 2000. And then the two teams uh, in 92 were, uh, I guess this one is uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So that would have been the 92-93 year. And then the San Jose Sharks would have been the 91-92 year expansion. But yeah, like I said, going down in history, what a comeback, man. Uh, That was exciting to see. I was pumped pumped up when that happened and everybody on twitter was blowing up and uh the fans were going wild man it was it was awesome yeah always good to see and you know it never hurts to hear john forsland say that's cracking hockey baby oh man I, I he's the best at it honestly i've i've enjoyed listening to him so much this year uh he's right up there as one of my favorite uh analysts of the game now and uh like play-by-play commentary guys uh and you got to give credit to jt brown too um you know for a guy who played hockey and and basically jumped right into the commentary uh like they they team up and they do such an excellent job but john forslin man he is an all-timer in that position yeah an impressive comeback for a team to you know throughout the game that uh couldn't do shit on the power play oh for five screw them yeah apparently over five, screw the math, but what a comeback. And uh, they ended up out shooting the wings 42 to 24 in the game. And uh, they were way more physically engaged than last game too, which I, I really liked, even though they carried the play as well. So uh, they threw 20 hits compared to last game where it was just nine. So I was really glad to see that. And uh, probably another big reason why, you know, being so physically engaged just helps you uh, be more engaged too. I know that sounds stupid, but uh, it just helps. Yeah, it's good. It's going to help you win hockey games. And uh, just what a fun ending, man. Just a, just a great ending to a, to an awesome game. Yeah, I agree. Just a freaking great game. Yeah. And, and just two games on the schedule last week and only two games on the schedule this week, Durham. Uh, they play their next game against uh, Arizona in Arizona Tuesday night, that's March 22nd. That'll be the day after the trade deadline. So uh, 99.8% sure there's no Mark Giordano in the lineup. And basically going to be a battle for the bottom of the league, eh? Yeah, I don't know. Arizona seems to be just absolutely buzzing lately, right? 7-4 and four in their last 11. Yeah, that offense has uh, came out of nowhere. Uh, what they've been able to do against some teams. Uh, It's kind of insane, actually. Uh, They have some crazy, crazy chemistry going on with that first line. Uh, Clayton Keller's leading the way over there, and uh, Nick Schmaltz is just putting up insane amount of points right now, and uh, they're getting some good goaltending, too. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of shocking to see Arizona taking off. What what what's all uh, what's all the buzz going on in Arizona? Are they pumped about the new arena, or what, what's going on there? Did you see the quote from one of the players, an unnamed Arizona player, obviously? Oh yeah, there was a uh, something something was put out about that, right? There's an article. 
they were not happy is what i remember but yeah go no on. i saw the one quote he's like guys are gonna come into our like home games and just laugh at us <laughs> yeah well yeah they were unhappy they like they're embarrassed to play there basically but <laughs> yeah it's gonna be weird man i i don't know hopefully it's a fun atmosphere and stuff but uh you're right i mean he's right i mean that that is a laughable situation right like the national hockey league you're playing in that barn are you kidding me yeah like i'm sure it'll be a fun atmosphere for clayton keller and jacob chicker if he's still there because they're young guys and they're going to school to we're not going to school but they're going to play at a fucking campus what do you tell your 33 year old married father of four hey um see all those 18 19 year old girls on the other side of the glass you gotta just ignore them <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of college kids uh you'd think so i mean people are like oh but they're broke kids it's like how much yeah, is an tickets are 15 bucks yeah did you see uh going off topic here but uh i think it was last week they're comparing someone was online the price difference between a rangers game and an islanders game and you could get like three tickets to an islanders game for the price of one beer at a rangers game it was literally <laughs> down to about four bucks a ticket that's I insane dude I can't remember if it was the Islanders or Florida, but at one point they had, you could bring a family of four to lower bowl. Like you got four lower bowl tickets, hot dogs and a pop. And it was like 12 bucks. Dude. I'm pretty sure that's Florida. I think I remember that, but that <laughs> I wish, I wish we'd seen prices like that up here in Canada, but uh, yeah, that ain't, you can even park for 12 bucks. No, you can't even park for fuck. You could barely park for 24 bucks. <laughs> like It's just ridiculous. But yeah, getting back into it here. A little off topic. What do you expect out of this battle of the bottom of the NHL? I expect Schmaltz and Keller to just try and score as many points as possible. And us to try and dominate them with our speed amongst our forwards. Try and get one past the goalie. I think the Vimelchka... He's the guy who's been kind of hot lately. I think he's hurting right now, so we might Vemelchka. be able to pop a couple by him. Yeah, yeah, it's like Vemelchka or Vejmelka or something. It's uh, another one of those weird last names. But, uh, yeah, he's kind of had a rise this season, coming out of nowhere and playing some fantastic hockey for for Arizona in, that, in, uh, in their crease. So, um, Arizona, I don't know why, but we've struggled against them this year. We're 0-2 against them. So, uh, and that last yeah, one, one game of those was things. a shit show. Oh, it was a shit show. I mean, the first one, that was embarrassing for the fact that, what, I think we were up 2 nothing a minute 19 in the game, lost that. Oof. The game before, we lost 5-2 and, uh, like, outshot them, outplayed them. Just an ugly game, too. So we'll see what happens this game. Do you have a score prediction? Hmm. 4-2 for Seattle. Boom. Coming off of the 4-2 win against Detroit. Back-to-back 4-2 -back victories coming up. I like it. Uh, they're going to stay hot. And, uh, yeah, I, I just hope they keep on competing and, uh, you know, have a, a few more exciting games like that before the end of the year because uh, we're running out of hockey already. It's kind of getting sad. But uh, at the same time, you got to be pumped because playoffs, right? Exactly. 
the best hockey you can ask for. Um, Moving along, though, they play Saturday night. So another long stretch there, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off. And then they're in L.A. uh, against a very good L.A. team, the Kings. 34, 21 and eight currently in and, and ranked second in the Pacific. Although it looks like Edmonton is doing a good job of trying to play catch up on them. Uh, but let's talk about this LA team because not only do they play them Saturday night, uh, they get the one day off and they stay in LA and they play them Monday night in LA again. So they have a back to backer against LA. This is the first of a back to back. Yeah, LA's have been a team we're going to want to watch for too. You know, they're one of the hottest teams in the league in the last month. Actually, they're fourth in points in the last month, if you want to pull them up there. They're just behind, ironically, the fucking Islanders. Where the hell did that come from? And wow. then Calgary and Bruins are both right there. They're all within a few points. Can you fact check that for me? I am having a hard time believing the Islanders are there, but uh, I know, I do, right? I do have Noah Dobson on my fantasy team, and uh, yeah, blessed to have that guy. That guy's going off right now. He's a stud. Noah Dobson's going to be a great defenseman for a long time, but yeah, wh- why has um, why do you think LA has been so successful, uh, especially down the stretch here? Well, they play a really good team game. You know, if you pull up their t- point scoring through this stretch as well over the last month they don't have one or two guys running away with it like arizona has does or arizona has schmaltz and keller right they've got scoring by committee i mean pretty much everyone that's got multiple games has multiple points and they don't have anyone with more than they don't have anyone that's a point a game i mean you got Athens to who's got five points in four games over this stretch but only four games so whatever i'm not counting that yeah, they're dealing with a, a few injuries right now, clearly with uh, what Daily Faceoff has for their lineups. But yeah, like you said, it, it's always a new player stepping up each night. And yeah, I think Ardritson's out right now for a little while. Uh, that's going to hurt their top six. So they're going to have to have some of these younger guys step up, uh, like a Trevor Moore, like an Arthur Kaliev, uh, you know, a Gabe Velarde, a Rasmus Kupari. And even Quentin a Quinton Byfield. Byfield, who, yeah, he's had a slow start to his NHL career. Only, what, just uh, just over 30 games and uh, maybe a few points in there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see some of his growth. But I think they're doing the right thing with him and, and taking their time to develop him. So uh, they're doing the right things. But, yeah, this team just seems to get it done by committee, right? Yeah, they just use their depth to their advantage, right? Another thing that's helping them too is the play of Cal Peterson lately. Yeah, the the goaltending. Like uh it's funny because uh Peterson there, he had a really good stretch. Then Jonathan Quick stepped back in, had a really good stretch. Uh and then Peterson's kind of finding his uh mojo once again and uh back in there. So uh yeah, this is a really good team. Do you think they're gonna make playoffs? I'm not sure because I just read, too, that Drew Doughty might be out for a while. Yeah, that's that's definitely a blow. Um, they're dealing with tons of injuries, uh, so it'll be interesting. They've, they've kind of dropped a couple games as of recently. So, again, another team where the Kraken might be able to pounce on and take advantage of that. I mean, you think about it. Athanasio injured. Dustin Brown injured. Victor Arvidsson injured. Brendan Lemieux injured. 
Matt Roy injured, Drew Doughty injured. That's a that's a pretty big list piling up there. They're in some uh, injury problems, uh, so that's going to hurt them for this final playoff push. I say we start streaking Seattle. Yeah, we got literally. One win. Let's take, take your the next three. Off. Start streaking. Well, that too. <laughs> Kraken fans, the NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right. A bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their very first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. All right, welcome back to Keeping Up with the Krakens. And Durham, it's time to uh, switch things over to some trade talk because, holy cow, we've seen some big deals and uh, a couple really surprising deals out there, eh? Yeah, there's definitely a couple that I was like, holy shit and definitely sent into the group chat like did you boys see the haul yeah humongous haul on some of these deals uh let's start things off with probably the most shocking deal of them all uh in my opinion you probably feel the same way but uh that's chicago blackhawks sending their sophomore forward brendan hagel uh, plus two fourth round picks over to the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for a 2023 first round pick, a 2024 first round pick, Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk. So give me your thoughts on this crazy deal, man. I mean, it's a lot to pay for a guy who is having a career year and hasn't been a pro for a very long time and is a little bit older. He's kind of like in your slightly younger but you're michael bunting type i guess if you want to no that's a good comparison yeah i like that but still that just seems like an awfully lot i guess when you factor in the fact i think tampa's average for their last six first round picks is like 24th overall or something like that yeah yeah that too and uh i mean the the big kicker is this guy signed uh, what is it for 1.5 for next year as well. And he, you know, he he's projected to be a 30 goal scorer this year. And this is just his second year in the NHL. Uh, so, I mean, this guy's put up some pretty gross numbers offensively. Uh, so when you factor in that type of contract and, you know, Tampa's, they're going to be pushing that cap floor, uh, not the, the cap ceiling, my bad. Uh, you know, for a number of years going ahead. So they're going to have to find guys who can uh, be a, a really great middle six forward or, you know, that type of player who could produce, but only getting paid 1.5. I see why they gave up the first round picks. Like you said, they're, they're going to be late most likely, right? 
2024 is a different question. Anything can happen in one year, right? But um, just insane. Came out of left field. You'd think that they'd hang on to Hagel and build around a guy like this and use it, that advantage of keeping that $1.5 million cap hit. But uh, yeah, this one was just wild, eh? Who are you, Jonathan Taves? Yeah, exactly. I know he, he's not too happy. He's worried. He's shaking in his boots now. He might get moved. Tons of rumors out of Chicago right now. Debrinkat's getting his name thrown out. Like, uh, just wild. Not sure what's going on there, but they sound like they could be in the midst of a full rebuild after acquiring Seth Jones. So, yeah, that's a bit of a mind-blown situation. I saw that one tweet going around talking about that exact situation. (laughs) They're like, the Flyers three, or not the Flyers, fuck. Uh, Chicago three years ago. All right, guys, we're going full rebuild. Chicago. All right, wait, hold on. Screw it. We can get Seth Jones. We're going for it again. Chicago this year. (laughs) Nah, fuck it. Let's rebuild. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Worth pointing out that Hagel shooting uh, at uh, 22% this year. That's unsustainable, Durham. Unsustainable. Where's he going to? He's going to slot into that third line on Tampa, though. That's another huge addition for them uh, to help with the goal scoring. And they already have the D set in place. They already have the goalies set in place. So this is the perfect move for them. Exactly. And being a team where they've already got like all their big guns, like you said, set in place, they have only got to do the little tweaks here and there. They don't have to do your big swing for the fences moves. Yeah. Why not go for uh, three in a row? When was the last time that happened? 80s. Yeah, I, I think so too. I'm going to sound like an idiot. I know it's either... It's either Islanders or Montreal, I think. Yeah, I was going to say... Or Edmonton. Which one of them was Edmund, ended Edmonton. the other? Yeah, I'm trying to think that. I'm trying to... Yeah, one of those two teams. I know Philly did it too, right? Or they were close yeah, to but doing No, it. Philly's only won that two was in cups the ever, and they were back-to-back. Oh, okay, yeah. So when all the tough Suck boys were in... <laughs> it's a Pens fan shouting at you, so <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. Uh, nah, but yeah, just, move, take <laughs> just take it. He says, <laughs> moving right along here though. We got a, we got more trades to talk about here and one we, we were all expecting, but, uh, the flyers, they traded their captain Claude Giroux, uh, along with German Rubsov, Connor Bunman and a 2024 fifth round pick to Florida for their one of their top prospects, Owen Tippett, a 2024 first round pick and a 2023 third round pick. The Flyers, of course, retaining 50% of Giroux's salary. So uh, give me your thoughts on this one, man. This is a big one. And everyone's always, or not always, everyone's kind of complaining like, oh, the Flyers didn't get enough for Claude Giroux. That's your franchise player. They all need to shut up. Claude Giroux said, you're fucking trading me to Florida or you're not fucking trading me. So they said, okay, I guess it's Florida then. And they got the best they could get out of Florida because the Panthers knew that he was coming to Florida and that's it. Yeah, so that's the fact a tough that you position. got what you got is pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, tough, tough position to be in uh, if you're a Philly there. I mean, he made it pretty clear that uh, he only wanted to be in Florida. So that's still a pretty decent haul. Definitely should have been bigger in, you know, most people's opinions as well, but um, they still they're still getting a really 
quality, a really good quality prospect to know and tip it. That's a guy who could literally jump into the lineup and he has been, you know, going up and down between, uh, you know, Florida's NHL and AHL team, uh, which is Charlotte, by the way. Uh, and he so, is playing today for Philly. He got called up. Yeah. Look at that. So you, they're going to throw him in right away and a uh, bit of a sniper, right? He was picked in, uh, I want to say 2016 draft. 16 or 17. One of the two. I think 16. I think 16 around the, ah, uh, man. I'm going to anyway, say, I know he went 10, but I'm going to yeah, say, say top, he was a 10th overall. Yeah. So maybe it was 17, 10th right overall. Yeah. Okay. 16 might've been like Tyson Jost or something, but yeah, it was. Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about the addition to uh, Florida here. Um, are you concerned at all that they're going to throw him? You know, he's used to being top, top guy in Philly, top line, top power play. He's probably not going to be top line in Florida. Um, I'm going to guess you're still going to run with uh, the top dogs in Barkov, Huberto and whatnot there it'll be interesting what they do do they throw him on the left wing perhaps and stack some lines up um but are you concerned at all with uh maybe his production not being there if he's getting moved down into uh more deeper spots in the lineup or or do you think florida's just okay with that because they're doing it for the playoffs i'm not too concerned just by uh well, I pulled up their lines here on line combinations on daily faceoff. They have Giroux slotted on the left wing with Barkov and Verhagi on the right. And then they've got okay. Huberdo with Bennett and Duclair. So I think no matter where you put him and I do think he's going to play the left side. He'll eventually take faceoff simply because everyone in their top nine is fucking left-handed for some reason, except for Sam Reinhardt and Claude Giroux. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who fair. are also actually both dual position players and winger and centerman. So I'm sure they'll both take a lot of draws as well on their strong side when needed, but I think Drew yeah. will fit in just fine there. He'll be asked to yeah. take those one timers on the power play from that side. What a wagon of a team. And they weren't done there, man. Florida also acquired defenseman, uh, Ben Sherratt from the Montreal Canadians, uh, in exchange for forward prospect, Ty Similanic and a uh, first round pick in the 2023 draft and a fourth-round pick in the 2022 draft. So Florida's going all in here. They're giving up all their first-round picks and whatnot. So, yeah, they're this is their year, they're saying. They're gunning for it this season. So, uh, yeah, just to add on to that Florida's team, what does that mean for their defense, adding a guy like Ben Sherratt? You thought they were mean with Aaron Ekblad, who also hopefully has a speedy recovery. That looked ugly. Did you see that to his leg? No, all I heard was he got helped off the ice last night um, and helped to the dressing room. So uh, didn't he have an injury like that around this time last season too? I actually don't remember last. Well, injury. I do remember him having an injury. I don't remember when it was. I don't remember. Yeah. But true. Yeah, but just kind of someone yeah. slid in and hit his leg as it bent one way and his body fell the other way. It looked Ooh. a little ugly. That, that might be, be a playoff returning thing. Yeah, for Florida, yeah, but no kidding. So they lose a little meanness with Ekblad to injury there, but they add it right back with Sherratt, right? Like he's one of those guys where they talk about he's defensive, he's strong in front of the net, he's a fucking prick. Yeah, what a crazy return for Montreal, too, for a guy like Ben Sherratt, a first rounder and a pretty decent prospect, too, plus another fourth round pick. What a that, that was a crazy deal. So they they hit the jackpot with Ben Sherratt there. 
Yeah, and for Montreal, talking about the prospect they got in Ty Smolanik, too, there's a lot of familiarity there, too, with uh, Martin St. Louis and Kent Hughes' sons, uh, Ryan and Jack, both playing against Smolanik. Both their sons played together, actually, on the, uh, like, St. Louis and Hughes' sons played together on the U.S. program, and now they both play together at Northeastern College or University, not college, yeah, that, I think. That is, uh, yeah, that's a wild connection, considering... Uh that signing came out of left field when uh, Kent Hughes was brought in to be the next GM and announced that he would hire St. Louis as the interim head coach. And that has done nothing but great things for Montreal. It's, it's really working out uh, with that signing. So clearly they had a big connection there and they've been talking for a, for a long time. So uh, Kent Hughes and, and, uh, St. Louis were very familiar with each other heading into that, of course. Uh, so that's pretty cool to see that that connection. Yeah, and I know that familiarity was something that they used uh, to target Smolanik in the trade too when they moved Sherratt to Florida. I read on Twitter, I can't remember which insider it was. I want to say LeBron, but he said like they knew him from their sons playing against him and watching him, and they targeted him from Florida saying that was the guy we wanted. And they got him plus a first. So uh, at the end of the day, they're laughing with that one. Um, exactly. So good for Florida. They're an absolute wagon. Got to be ranked pretty much first or second in the NHL. And the other team to be ranked right with them, Colorado Avalanche. And they've done some movements too. Uh, acquiring defenseman Josh Manson from the Anaheim Ducks in exchange for defenseman prospect Drew Hellison and a second-round draft pick in 2023. So uh, another decent haul here for uh, Josh Manson for Anaheim and a big acquisition for Colorado on the back end. And another guy who adds very similar to Ben Sherratt here, some toughness, but can still play and log a lot of big minutes, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's something, I mean, I love Colorado coming out of the West now. I mean, who hasn't all year, right? But adding Manson to that back end, oof. I know, and I said a little, I think a, a bit of toughness. No, that's a ton of toughness getting brought into that lineup. And that's a player you don't want to be up against in the playoffs because he is a mean bastard. Oh, absolutely. Especially, like, if they get, if Bowen Byram, you know, gets healthy and gets everything going again, he's fighting concussion issues and stuff like that, right? So hopefully that all gets sorted out. And if that does and he comes back, getting back to playing what he was before, here's Colorado's top four D pair. Devin Taves and Kale McCarr. Yeah, that's fucking pretty good. And then could be Bowen Byram and Josh Manson on your second pair. Yeah, and then your third pair is still pretty insane too. Yeah, you could have Jack and Eric Johnson or Ryan Murray, whichever one on the left two there you want to sit, but Eric Johnson's playing. Sam Girard. Oh, right. Because, yeah, he's hurt right now for, I think, six he weeks. Is. Yeah, he is. But you look at that after acquiring Josh Manson, like, wow, what a defensive core that is. And don't be sleeping on Devon Taves either. He's having a hell of a season. Unbelievable season there. If he like if the NHLers went to the Olympics and he wasn't on Canada, imagine the riot. Yeah, I think he he'd be there. To, he's got to be. I mean, you wouldn't you want to bring that as a D pair? Exactly. Like I never understood that with the short tournaments. That's something Hockey Canada has kind of done that always aggravated me. Is even if they do take teammates, 
they don't play them together. They, yeah, they split them up a lot of times. So it's kind of like remember when McKinnon and Drew N both made the World Junior team and they had like what was it 90 points at the time of the tournament in the queue on a line together and they split and they them split up in the them. World Juniors and they had a yeah. combined like six points over the entire tournament. Yeah, that was an L. But at least they did a good job with uh, Bergeron and Marchand there. Uh, back, I want to say, the World Cup of Hockey in 2016. They kept them together. Put, I mean, anytime, they put you, play with, anytime you play with Crosby, I mean, that doesn't hurt either. But uh, they did go that direction there. But uh, Actually, yeah, funny story about that. Okay, yeah. If, go ahead. if we got a second. But oh, yeah. I remember when they were talking about that line because it was pretty dominant at the World Cup, right? Yeah. I remember because uh, I think Bergeron had played with Crosby at the Olympics the year before. Him and Kunitz were the wingers. Correct, yep. And then, uh, so Marshawn went to Bergeron and said, how do you play with Sid? And Bergeron's answer was, you better be ready to go to work. <laughs> and uh, I heard that Marshawn, like, studied, like, that summer like very like hardcore like studied tape of Crosby and put in all the effort in order to understand where to be on the ice with him and, and work best and it showed too he they, they were so dominant that tournament oh they were disgusting you're absolutely right like it showed like everyone always wants to talk like how much of an asshole Marshawn is but no one ever is like no, he's, he's so good and he's smart yeah, yeah, he is very smart, and I wouldn't be surprised if he was uh, led Canada in goals that tournament right up there. Uh, I know Duchesne, too, had a really big tournament, so a little shout-out there. But moving right along, dude, we got more trades here to talk about. Um, Hampus Lindholm gets traded from Anaheim as well, another uh, player from there. He gets traded to the Boston Bruins uh, for a first-round pick in the 2022 draft, a second-rounder in 2023, and a second round pick in 2024. What a crazy deal there, eh? And not only that, they they end up getting a couple more defensemen in that trade. John Moore and uh, a bit of a prospect in Erho Vakaninen too. So this is a huge haul here for Anaheim. They 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 did really good this uh, trade deadline, and they're probably not done too. Yeah, I've seen a couple fans online after. I think it was Sarah. It was in the Sarah Volley mentions there after he tweeted out the Lindholm trade. They're like, okay, now do Gibson to Edmonton. <laughs> oh man, that would be uh, wild. That would that would make for the a crazy battle of Alberta. They met right? in like, the second round. Oh boy, it'd be uh, two top goalies, two crazy teams going at it. But yeah, jumping back into this one, man. Um, Lindholm, what type of player is he? What what is Boston getting out of this? I think you're getting a steady two-way D. You know, he's definitely defensive first, but don't sleep on his offense. He can move the puck well in the neutral zone, and he can. he's a good passer. You know, he's not going to blow you away with a heavy shot or most accurate pick in the corner from the blue line. But I think he'll be a really good partner for McAvoy as well if you want to really go for a dominant first pair instead of having a steady top four splitting up there. But I think it'll yeah. really allow McAvoy to focus a little more on his offensive side and not have to worry about being the guy to shut everybody down. Yeah. Take some of that defensive pressure off McAvoy and help grow maybe his offensive game or help, you know, let him settle into that and be comfortable with that more. Lindholm though, this guy can log minutes. Eh? He just eats minutes out there. Like you said, he is defensive 
defense first minded and that makes for a great pairing for them on that top uh, D pair. So Lindholm's a great pickup and rumor is right now that they're looking at signing him to uh, an eight year deal worth 6.5 million each season. So a massive deal for him too, especially what being 28 years old for the guy uh, that'll bring him to about 36 years old uh, on 6.5, which I mean, eight years from now, uh, that could be a pretty good deal or could start to look a little ugly, but Lindholm is such a great skater. You, you probably won't be too, too worried about that as long as there's no like big injuries involved. Right. But that is a huge pickup and yeah, all these teams in the Atlantic top the Atlantic making some huge moves here. Yeah. You know, living in the Toronto area of Southwestern Ontario, Leafs fans are getting panicky. They're getting worried. Oh, yeah. They want a goalie. They want a defenseman. They want whoever the fuck they can get to get out of their goddamn first round. Yeah, but uh, wouldn't even try because it ain't going to happen. So, uh, But they don't want to give up a that, first for Giordano. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, not, not going to happen. We're not giving him away for nothing, Toronto. Exactly. So suck it. This isn't Marc-Andre Fleury to Chicago. You don't get shit for free. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. We'll give you second round picks to take them. But moving on, we got a couple couple minor deals, but worth mentioning too. Minnesota acquiring uh, forward Tyson Jost from the Colorado Avalanche in exchange for their forward Nico Sturm. So a bit of a one-for-one one here. Uh, what's your thoughts on this one? I think this one's just strictly one of those, you know, the old boys saying a hockey deal here. Just better fit for both guys on the teams. You know, Sturm's going to slot into that third line, be a little bit more of a defensive agitator for Colorado. Take some of the pressure off of Kadri from doing that. Pro possibly could be the thought process here. Mm -hmm. And then I think Jost, once he, you know, gets able to find his way, he could slide into the top nine eventually in Minnesota and be asked to be more of an offensive guy because they've got Eric Sinek and they've got defensive stalwarts throughout the team there. And they could ask him, hey, we need a little bit more in the offensive zone from you. Yeah, no, I like that breakdown a lot. Uh, Nico Sturm, he's a really, really good defensive forward. So I, I could see why Colorado's like, you know, why not trade Jost here? We've given up, given him opportunities. He's asked for a trade a while back, I believe. Uh, it wasn't really that public, but uh, he did ask for a trade at some point and they make that happen for him. And, uh, yeah, Colorado bringing in a defensive-minded guy uh, for their playoffs. Uh, I like the move. I like the move for both teams. Uh, it's just it's kind of shocking when you think back, Tyson Jost, uh, you know, 10th overall. And uh, what are we, five years later, six years later now, and uh, getting traded for Nico Sturm, one for one, bit of a shocker, right? His value was pretty high at one point, but obviously he hasn't found his game enough yet. So I, I like the deal. Uh, Minnesota wasn't done there. They also added some toughness up front too. Uh, they acquired winger Nicol Nicholas Delorier from the Anaheim Ducks uh, in exchange for a third round pick. So uh, pretty crazy to see some of these guys going for high, still high draft picks like this. Yeah, it's kind of funny to see like a deep, pretty much no offense to Delorier, but like a defense only almost winger that will literally just shit pump people for you. Oh, go yeah. for a third that, round that guy is scary man you do not want to get into a fucking brawl with him that, that, but uh, again um 
Minnesota acquiring a bit more toughness for the playoffs, right? They, they need a guy who could, uh, who could brawl and, uh, you kind of go through their team. They have some tough guys up front, like the Jordan Greenways and they got good size and Marcus Foligno, uh, well, what a player he's become in Minnesota, but, uh, I don't have too many guys who are just like, you know, let's, let's go. Let's, you know, who's your heavyweight, you know, we got a guy here who can take him on, but they add that with Nicholas Delorier. So I, I like that pickup for Anna for uh, Minnesota. Yeah. They kind of just restructured the defensive setup from having a guy like Sturm in the middle there. And they basically just traded him out for a, a defensive winger. That'll also knock the teeth out of anybody. And they also <laughs> happen to get an offensive centerman. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, good deal there. And, uh, we know we're going to have more to talk about because there's more deals to come. Uh, as it's just Sunday morning and, uh, trade deadline is Monday at, what is it? 3 PM Eastern. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So still plenty of time for things to go down. Do you, is there any deals out there you're expecting to still happen? Uh, besides Mark Giordano, any other big names you're thinking are going to be coming off the board here? I don't have any like logistical reasoning behind it, but my gut feeling is Vancouver is going to do something. Yeah, that'll be interesting. There's a couple teams out there where Vancouver's definitely right there where you're like, are they going to make some deals? So, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting uh, next next day and a half here to see what happens. You got to think Anaheim with all these moves, probably move on from Raquel as well. I'm sure there's going to be some interest. There was last year. Now you, you'd think they're ready to move on from that. I mean, he's a UFA. Why not, right? Yeah, Pittsburgh's been rumored around him for the last couple of years. Actually, it's kind of funny. Rutherford was all over him, wanting him, wanting him, wanting him, and then he got fired, and now Hextall apparently likes him too. Yeah, that's interesting. Any other uh, names out there, or is it just uh, kind of wait and see and see what crazy shit happens? Uh, kind of just see what crazy shit happens. I mean, a lot of the bigger guys kind of got moved already, so I think it'll be mostly depth guys unless, like I said, Vancouver. I think Forsberg's probably going to stay. Nashville's kind of playing too good right now to move him, right? Yeah, them and, uh, you know, Norris Trophy winner at the end of the season, uh, Roman Yossi, of course, right? So, uh <laughs> I mean, the argument is there. I know how good Kale McCarr has been, but uh, you start to look at what Roman Yossi is doing, man. It, it, it's pretty insane. He's the only D in the league to even lead or lead his team in points, too, or the or the only one uh, at least up in the running for the trophy. So what he's doing there is absolutely bananas. He is – oh, shit, where'd it go? My page just refreshed. That's but yeah, part. where'd it go? Just, I just had just the Norris the... odds up. Okay, there it is. He is plus 600 right now. He was plus 1200 last pod when you asked. Yeah, that Macar's might still be minus 500. Yeah, I mean, Makar has been huge great, but you, 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 that is a huge difference. And it's not that, it's not that uh, separate or, you know, it's way closer. That's what I'm trying to say. The race is much closer than those odds are putting it out there. So, that might be uh might be worth putting a little futures bet on there because God dude, look at Roman Yossi's numbers the last eight games he's played and what he's done all season and the minutes he's logging and oh man, it's insane. He's right up there with Makar. And between those two and Hedman, 
uh, it's a, it's a three horse race in my opinion. And I think, uh, Yossi and, and Makara right there, neck and neck. Okay. Currently 10th in the league for points is 74. Yossi's one ahead. Makar is four behind, five behind, sorry. At 0.5 over under, how many D finished top 10 in league scoring? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's either one or two, so I'll go with know. one. Okay, you're going to go with Yossi stays in it? Yeah, yeah, the guy's just so hot right now. Like, you can't touch him, he's so hot, you'll burn your hand. All right. Um, but yeah, Darren, one more thing before the, we end this pod off, we got uh, a little player of the week that we started last week and, uh, we got a new player this week, Durham. Do you want to say who it is? It's Philip Grubauer. That is right. And this was a, I'm not going to lie, a bit of a tough one. We almost went with the Annie Gord back-to-back weeks, but, uh, you take a look at what Grubauer did these last two games and, uh, some of the saves he made and the timing of the saves were just so huge. Could not give it to this guy. And his numbers don't really tell the whole story, but here they are anyways. Obviously one win, one loss. Uh, he has a three, 3.36 goals against average with a 903 save percentage. Those numbers definitely don't blow you away at all. But the amount of big saves he made against Tampa, pretty much being hung out to dry there, a lot of those. And then that huge glove save in the third period he made against Detroit uh, when there were when Detroit was up to nothing. That play, I'm not gonna lie, that play single-handedly ended up winning the game for Seattle. Without that huge, huge save there, they make it three nothing, and I don't think Seattle has a chance of coming back. No, Grubauer definitely was the guy this week. Like mm-hmm. he was there for the boys, whether they were shit in the bed or whether they were on fire. Yeah. And then their biggest goal scorer of the week, of course, Yanni Gord scored the only one against Tampa. He would be the runner up and then two goals against Detroit last night too. He's staying hot three goals on the week. Uh, Yeah. What an exciting week though. I I liked it. Tons of great hockey and tons, tons of great hockey coming up next week. And of course we're going to have probably a few more trades to mention and, uh, a lot of other stuff too. So it should be exciting. And not only that, Durham, we're going to be deal. We're going to be doing a bit of a live podcast now that you're flying out. So that's going to be a fun one to do. Oh yeah. Those are the best ones when we're both there. Yeah. Well, it's side by side. So, uh, yeah, that'll definitely be a fun one, but yeah, I think it's time to get the puck out of here, Durham. Pucking right. Thanks. Yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in to episode 26, a.k.a. Martin St. Louis. Join us next week as we break down both Kraken games and, of course, keep you up to date with all NHL news and all things Kraken. So have a great week, everyone, and peace out, Kraken Nation.